Welcome to Appalachian Shine, the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. And if you're listening to this, then consider yourself a part of the team. Stick around and let's shine a light on all things Appalachia. Today is August 19th, Thursday, 2021, and if you've been watching the news, whether it's been local news or national news, what's dominated the headlines here recently has been the Delta variants of the COVID-19 flu. And uh, I was, uh, you know, this has been dominant and and we, we hear of hot spots popping up here in certain parts of central Appalachia. Uh, I happen to live in Tazewell County, where I've told there's been uh, a bit more of a spread and outbreak. And you hate to hear this, um, especially now that the vaccine is out. And, you know, a lot of people have been vaccinated and some haven't. Um, now we're learning more things about uh, the vaccination and the vaccine that's out there, the different ones. And, and uh, you know, you can understand people want to protect their health and be healthy and, and, and question things. But it got me to thinking, you know, it's... Um, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing that this pandemic has done through the country and here in central Appalachia, where in a lot of places, um, especially the more rural that you get, uh, there isn't really the easy, adequate health care. And I, I was uh, talking about this the other day, and then an elderly gentleman interrupted me. And he reminded me that this wasn't our first rodeo with a pandemic, uh, with a virus that's hit this country. Now, immediately I thought, Right, I've heard a lot about the Spanish flu in the early 20th century that wiped out millions globally. But no, he corrected me. He reminded me of something that took place in his lifetime when he was young, and that was uh, polio. 
there was an outbreak of polio. Now, polio, um, you know, for those who don't know what polio is, uh, it actually, it's, it's a virus that starts out. Um, uh, most people that get it uh, will have minor symptoms. According to the CDC, about 72 out of 100 people will not have any vis visible symptoms, but about one in four will have flu-like symptoms. And this broke out back in the, in the uh, mid-1950s, caused things like sore throat, fever, tiredness, nausea. But the scary thing about this particular um, virus was, you know, the symptoms, kind of like COVID, would last two to five days and go away on their own uh, for most people. But a smaller portion of the people uh, would get more serious symptoms. And this was the scary part about polio and the outbreak in the 1950s. So um, I wanted to go back and take a look and do some research because I'd, I'd, I'd heard about it before. But I never really looked it up. I remember it's something that my grandmother brought up and my mother had mentioned years ago. But people who have polio, the ones who get the most serious symptoms, uh, they get these, these terrible pains of pins and needles in their legs. And I remember some of the older folks when I was young talking about that. Uh, some will get meningitis, which is um, an infection that covers the uh, spinal cord and brain. And uh, actually had a, uh, an aunt, I was told, that had that. I never met her. She died when she was young. And for some people, it cause paralysis. They, you know, parts of the body they can't move or, or extreme weakness in your legs or arms, both. And that occurs in about one out of 200 people. Um, but it can lead to permanent disability and death. And that's what scared a lot of people uh, back there in uh, the 1950s. So I was doing some research on this, and I actually found uh, an article. The headline actually is what caught my attention. Uh, this was a story called A Summer Without Children. And I thought, well, well what is this? Uh, okay, so I had to look this up. And as it turns out, during the polio epidemic, Withville, Virginia, just a hop, skip, and a jump up I-81 from Bristol and Abingdon, was actually um, one of the most affected places in the entire country, right here in southwestern Virginia. So in the summer of 1950, Things got so bad that they placed the entire town under quarantine until the epidemic uh, subsided later that fall. Now, the, here's the kind of the, the thing I wanted to as I found this article. This is on Virginia Humanities. I'm going to refer to this article. And this was written back in the winter. This is December of 2020 by a guy uh, by the name of David Berenger on the VirginiaHumanities.org website. And he refers to um, the uh, an article that was written back in 2003 that Virginia Humanities actually or the uh, they awarded a grant to the Withville Department of Museums uh, supporting oral history interviews, uh, an exhibition, and a book exploring the history of local health crisis in Wythe County. Um, however, 17 years later. Here we are in the middle of a COVID pandemic, and this, this story, A Summer Without Children, becomes way too familiar to a lot of folks who are older that went through that pandemic back in the 1950s. And on this uh, website, here's the sign that they put up going into Withville. It's, and, and Withville was, it was a place where people wanted to visit. It was actually a tourist attraction. Um, it says, Information for Tourists. 
polio outbreak in Withville and Wyth County. If you do not stop with us uh, this trip, we invite you to visit us on your next vacation. Courtesy of the Withville Town Council, with County Board of Supervisors, and with County Health Department. So they put a sign up warning tourists that came through to not stop. And if you have to, if you have to stop, or if you have to drive through, just drive through. If you have to stop, don't get near anyone. And I thought that was quite telling about um, the experiences that we have now after you know mostly an entire year of school was canceled. Well, in re in theory, I guess they were going virtual, but that's really it's really not a great way, I don't think, for kids to learn. Just my opinion. But over a 30-year period before the release of the Salk vaccine uh, in 1955, polio had struck hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. and they really hit the nation's children hard. So there's a quote from this that said, in the summer of 1950, Wyth County had the highest incidence of polio cases per capita of any city or county in the country. To this day, no one is sure exactly why. Um, but by the late, you know, the late 1940s, according to this article, yeah, the nation was really gripped in fear. I mean, we, we had the starting, I guess, of a Cold War with Russia. We just come off of World War II. And then here we come back to rebuild our country. And then this pandemic hits. And, um, you know, again, like I said, this is, you know, wasn't major for a lot of people, but, you know, the effects that, that hit the nervous system, causing paralysis of the limbs, throat, or chest, extreme cases, death. No one was immune, including future president Franklin Roosevelt. And uh, he actually caught what was then called infantile paralysis uh, in 1921. And at the age of 39, uh, he, he struggled with the effects throughout his whole public life. But in, the, but in 1950, Wyth County had the highest incidence of cases per capita anywhere in the nation. No one really knew why. But in Withville, the county seat, the total population was only about 5,500 then. And there were 184 cases that summer, which was about one in every 30 people, according to the article. Uh, statewide, the death rate from the disease was 5%. And with County, it was double that. So if... According to this, when you look back at the statistics that shed light but don't really tell the story, it's it's the personal accounts of this uh, Summer Without Children book, an exhibit that's that's so important, and why they seem so close today. Uh, the, as the cases started to pile up, local medical systems, they just like COVID, they were overwhelmed. Anytime anybody had a headache caused panic. Uh, now, fast forward to today, anytime someone has a sniffle or a sore throat, could even be allergies, you know, you might write it off as allergies and end up having COVID. Or you might think it's COVID and no one gets, comes to get near you out of fear, and it's really just something simple like your allergies or sciences. Um, it, it's really kind of thrown people into a lot of panic. But doctors were, you know, I guess they were working around the clock, nurses working around the clock, constantly running checks. Parents kept their kids inside because they didn't want them infected. People back then socially distanced. Uh, it shut the entire town down. Local tourism was killed for a year. Uh, no one went to local businesses. No one went to swimming pools. Uh, local theater was closed. And if you ask me in the mid-1950s, that's when I want to go to a movie. <laughs> if I could go back in time and enjoy 
cinema in a certain era, it would be that era. But the streets downtown Withville were deserted, and it makes me wonder how that was how that was in other parts of southwestern Virginia. You know, places like here in Tazewell County that everything shut down. Places like Abingdon or Bristol. Was there such a fear that it shut down? And so it's worth doing more research and looking up that part of our history because we have we can learn a lot from this history. Um, as it also said, and this farmers were afraid to take their livestock to the market. If you lived in the country, you made your visits to town just as short as possible. You want to get in there and get out of there. And um, the, one of the things that I always liked about Withville history is their history with baseball. And uh, that's one of the reasons a lot of people traveled into town is to watch baseball. They had a team called the Statesmen, and they actually had to cancel their season. Um, the first uh, documented case that summer among children was the son of the uh, second baseman of the Statesmen. And uh, I think his name was John Sakafico, um, according to the article here. People were afraid to touch money. Now think about this. People are now afraid, or at one point were afraid to touch groceries. People are going home and wiping their groceries down with, with uh, Clorox wipes and, and cleaning everything. Um, DDT was sprayed in the local factories, which we know now is not a good thing to do. Uh, ambulance drivers were burning formaldehyde candles in the cab uh, between runs to Roanoke Hospital which was uh, you know, a good distance away from Withville, probably about 70, 80 miles. And because Roanoke Memorial refused to admit them, at the time, this is horrible, but black residents of the county had to be transported to, uh, to St. Philip's Hospital in Richmond, which is much further. So they had to wait even longer to get help. Um, so, you know, it was families of small children left the area if they could to stay with relatives or friends because they were just afraid of such a hot spot. Parents who couldn't leave or chose not to, they had to make up the decision to keep their kids indoor and how to come up with enough distractions to fend them off from boredom. And you can imagine how it's been the last year uh, if you're a parent listening to this and trying to distract your kid, um, or try to keep them on track with learning in school, trying to do your job. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's, it's been tough. It's been tough. But like that gentleman reminded me, we've, we've, been to this dance before. We've been to this rodeo. And to look back at time and see how people handled it then, maybe it's not so different as to how we're handling it now. Um, I often wonder how people supported each other and at what risk. Uh, one of the things I noticed that people are doing a little bit more now here locally, we've always known folks that, you know, you have friends and neighbors that have small gardens, but Maybe those gardens are getting a little bit bigger right now. Maybe instead of going to the grocery where sometimes it's hard to find good produce now uh, because of uh, supply chain shortages, um, it's um, yeah, important to share things with your neighbors. Uh, I used to have an elderly gentleman across the street who had a pretty sizable personal garden back there. Every year we would get uh, squash, tomatoes, and just bring them over. And it was nice. You know, I don't have a garden here. But during a time of a pandemic... I like most people, it's actually crossed my mind to do so. But one thing about it is households can actually, a lot of households then didn't have television. And people relied on the local newspaper to keep them informed. So you don't have, you know, we don't, 
we have the, the luxury of having our cell phones go off with updated news and watching our 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock news, local news and 11 o'clock and, and national news, it's 24-7. They didn't have such uh, you know, luxury then. But um, it brought families a little closer together. And I think I've noticed that with a lot of families in the area. Even though it's not a polio outbreak, kids have been going out and playing more in the neighborhoods, kind of like I did when I was a kid. And uh, that's been very nice to see. And it's nice to see families actually sit down and have dinner together. Families actually taking time to sit down and play cards together. Uh, checkers, chess, learning different things. And uh, drawing closer. And maybe that's one of the lessons that we should learn from a pandemic. is how to rely on each other a little bit more. How to get away from things like social media. And all the, uh, I don't want to say misinformation, but information and misinformation. On every side coming at you. You know, um, whether you choose to get vaccinated or not, it's personal choice. Um, but, you know, if you get some time, go online and look up A Summer Without Children, which uh, you can still purchase by, I think, going to the Department of Museums there at Withville. Uh, it brought polio, brought, brought national attention to Wythe County. And uh, the town that it's, uh, there was a Washington Post article, according to this, that I'm reading here, in the aftermath of the summer without children called Withville, the town that kept its head. In an essay written for the book, David Huddle, who was born and raised in Ivanhoe, just a few miles from Withville, wrote, this is a quote, in a time of fear and suffering, our people responded with courage and decency. And I think that's an important message. How are we responding to each other? Hopefully with courage and decency, regardless of how you feel about the masks, do they work, do they not work, the vaccines, are they working, are they not working, and now we're going to have another issue coming up with the booster shots, are they worth it or are they not? So, you know, as each person weighs their own their own uh, health and responsibility in these things, let's keep in mind that we we all live here together in the same place, here in this amazing place we call Appalachia, and I love how I see people interacting with each other here as opposed to sometimes when you're traveling outside of the area. But thank you again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Appalachian Shine. We ask you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's online or through iTunes or Spotify. Uh, you can find us right there on your smartphones as well. If you want to find us online, you can go to appalachianshine.podbean.com. And you can subscribe to us right there. Don't forget to leave us a ranking and a comment. We certainly appreciate you. Share us with uh, your friends and family. And you can also visit us online at Facebook. to search Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. It's actually the website is uh, facebook.com forward slash support Appalachia. You can also visit our website. And if you feel, feel the need, we'd certainly love to, to have you on the team. Uh, make a donation. And we certainly appreciate you contacting us. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day, and we'll see you on down the road.